All right, joining us now is David Locke, and David Locke's weekly interview is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David Locke, good morning. How the heck are you? Good. I'm good, Patrick Kinahan. How are you? Doing well, man. Excited to have a job, excited to be able to talk sports. It's really a fantasy and a dream come true for me, and I'm sure I know you're in that same position with the gig that you've had. We've talked about it for many, many times over the years, and Feeling grateful in this time of year to to extend gratitude. As far there you as go, I like it. Uh oh, don't there lose you your edge, PK. <laughs> I think you know my edge actually has has slipped, but for, in, in in a good way. But I can still get it back when I need to get it back. Actually, like if you think about it, if you still during COVID have your edge, you're really a colossal. You know what? <laughs> and like if you think about it like from talk radio where we go on the air and we act you know like in our realm like the fact that the coach you know on third and seven ran a draw is this like monumental you always have to kind of when you're doing this job you always kind of have to dismiss what you're talking about and just pretend you know because like it, it all ridiculous when someone says, well, my mom has cancer. Well, yeah, of course, then it really doesn't matter if they have a draw on third and seven, but you have to avoid that. Like, if, if you're a sports talk show host and you can still, in this midst of the world, step, like, come on and act like you're beside yourself because Kyle Whittingham's play calling was wrong and cost them the Washington game, I, I love you. I admire your ability to compartmentalize at a fabulous level because I have not been able to do that yet. Yeah, I do think that if you – and I've, I've always felt like I've had that perspective about where sports uh, plays, what role it plays. And for me, it's entertainment. I've always viewed it as going to a movie. And I want to sit down and I want to be entertained. And the, the, the way it ends, uh, whatever that particular storyline is, doesn't really concern me as much as long as I'm entertained and along the way. But I do realize for a lot of folks – it does matter, and I appreciate their passion and their commitment because they supply us with work. So I don't take that lightly because I know for folks that who are the traditional, I'm a fan, but not in the traditional sense, that it really matters to them. And we see that. We see that with all the sports, and we see that with all the uh, the stuff that's being done with the, with the Jazz and, and our teams locally here. And the Jazz, their success really matters. It's fun. Yep. But it's more fun, and it matters a whole lot, which is a good thing, uh, because uh, it provides entertainment. So you know you don't want to go over the top and start screaming at players inappropriately and whatnot. And we've had that from time to time. That's unacceptable. But as far as the jazz, it, it's really fun to work in this community where it matters. You know, that's what I said yeah. about Vegas for many years. It didn't matter. Now that's changing with the professionals that they're getting there and stuff matters but for us it's been a great market because it does matter and the jazz do matter we follow them and their success matters to a lot of folks so it's very very important i wanted to get your impressions they've been doing these zoom interviews in lieu of a traditional media day it's you know they had coach quinn snyder and they've had most of the players not all of them they've had certainly the nucleus of the players that they're going to be counting on to have success this season. Did you draw anything away from what anybody has said during the course of these interviews? I thought their optimism was high. 
I thought it was interesting. I mean, they really they they believe that think in their heart of hearts they think they should have beat Denver, and so then they think they should have beat the Clippers. So I think they, I think you can kind of feel that they think that they, you know, are knocking on the door, uh, maybe more than a lot of the national experts are. Though Kevin Pelton's projections on the Jazz, which is numerically based, was pretty good. Um, so I, I took that away. Um, the other one I thought not, maybe I made this up in my head, but. You know, there was a camaraderie in that Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder group that probably driven by Ricky was unique um, and, and driven by Faves, frankly. And so when you lost Crowder, Rubio, and Faves, it never felt to me last year like there was that same collectiveness. Now, some of that's marketing, right? I'm a victim. You know, we did an incredible job as the Jazz organization marketing that all for, you know, the team is, not, you know, the team is whatever the team, whatever that slogan was. And maybe, you know, that I got caught up in that a little bit. But that was my feeling last year is that maybe it wasn't as collective. And, and the, frankly, the other thing is that I wasn't with them at the end, and sometimes the end is how you can tell how collective it is because of how they react when it's over, that you can kind of tell, like, oh, wow, they really don't want to leave each other. or You know, and I didn't have that. So there, there's a lot of things that can be skewing my, my, my feeling on that. But just to get back to it, my point was that if you listen to all them, their collectiveness last year was really good. Um and so I, I was a little surprised by that because I had left with the impression it was just a team. It didn't have that special element to it. But if you listen to them, like Boyan Bogdanovich talking about how it's like the closest group he's ever been with um, and the stories of Derek Gardino putting Boyan's um, uh, on the elevator door so that every time the elevator door opened in um, in Orlando, there was a picture of Boyan, and I didn't know Boyan was part of the Zooms the whole time. So there was a lot of aspects to that. And then, you know, you hear the text messaging back and forth. And I did know that Jordan brought them together uniquely, and Jordan was clearly moved. But, so that's those are my two takeaways, that they're really optimistic. And I think they were more collective last year. And maybe that actually happened in the bubble, because uh, to be perfectly honest, in, in March it did not feel that way. There, there, there was felt like there was a lot of stuff percolating and that the group was not particularly cohesive. But I could be I could have been way wrong. Well, we knew the Gobert and Mitchell thing was out there, and maybe that's what the situation was. But you look at it individually. uh, As long as the goal individually is to win a title and not to get mine, but to win a title, isn't that good enough? Even if you're not the best buddies in the world, if the goal on the floor, everything is working towards that, can't that have that sort of inherently because you all have the same goal? Yeah, but I'll tell you what. There's something different this year. George Niang shared in one of those Zooms that Joe Ingles like, basically gave an impassioned speech to the group of, like, follow the protocols. I don't want – like, I can't bring COVID home. I got a baby and a wife and an autistic kid. And there's a real trust factor this year. You better believe your teammate's not a knucklehead. Yeah, that's interesting, which is something that hasn't been involved in this situation. And we've seen it in the NFL. Uh, I think we saw a little bit in MLB early on, but then I think they got it together because they saw the seriousness of it, and then there wasn't as big of an issue going forward. In the NFL, there's been stuff where you're not following the protocols. Uh, Here, uh, it's it's a much smaller group, but there's going to be more travel. Uh, so uh, 
I have a concern about that. But And if Ingles puts it on a personal level, anytime you put stuff on a personal level, and that's the thing about with all the social stuff that Donovan Mitchell has been doing and whatnot and throughout the league and, and really throughout the country, if you bring it at a personal level, I always thought that that was easier for me to understand. If I had someone who is of a different race, who is my friend, and tells me, hey, this, this, and this, that really brings it home to me because it's a one-on-one situation. It's not somebody out there that I don't know. And Joe doing that, it's basically a one-on-one situation, and it makes it real. Yeah, you know, know, if your teammate was a knucklehead and was out at the bars late at night and was there until 3 o'clock in the morning and doing stuff that you didn't think was smart, but he dropped 20 and 7, you know, and, and rotated on defense, you just didn't care, right? Like, he's partying. You know, do you think that the Seattle Supersonics cared when, like, cared when, like, Gary Payton had, like, some of his, like, illustrious evenings out in a playoff series and dropped 38 the next night? No, they just didn't care at all. But we're in a di- – this is different. Like, so I think that's fascinating. By the way, you mentioned Donovan. I thought Donovan's answer about his role – socially and how he wants to be remembered and what he wants when he has kids for his kids to know he did. And that at the end of the day, he'll still be a black man. I thought that was pretty poignant. That's that was the most poignant quote of this whole thing when he was talking about his extension and uh, in that zoom call when, but I, I thought, you know, he's always on point. He's so, he's so bright with this. I've always joked with him PK that he takes such a pay cut for being in the NBA because he has the intelligence and the persona to be the CEO of like Morgan Stanley or, or Goldman Sachs. He's just a special, special kid. And he had all the connections through high school. And, um, you know, he's, he's taking a pay cut to be in the league. That pay cut got to be a little less now, but, um, so, you know, he actually might be making as much money as a Goldman Sachs CEO for a little while. Now, DJ and I have been talking about this. We're talking to David Locke, obviously about his ability to be all NBA. And as I look around the league, not necessarily the the five best players because the all NBA as I understand it tries to create a, a like a team you know and just doesn't have four big men or whatever that they have right. somewhat of a, of a team semblance to it and as I look at it I really don't see any reason why he can't be first team all NBA. Um, well he's got to get better than Dame. I know. Right? I understand that. Yep. You know, um, just uh. I mean, I think he could. I've always said this. I thought I've always thought he could average thirty. I've, I've said that about him from the beginning. I've always thought the comp on him, um, only because it was said to me by other people, is more Iverson than anyone else we've talked about. Just a bona fide, hellacious scorer, and you know he's not going to shoot fifty-one percent on threes, and he's not going to probably shoot fifty-one percent off the bounce on threes. But the fact that he was getting seven or eight of those off against Denver, now Denver is unique because of Jokic and, and what they allow. Um, but he, he, he could, he could be an offensive force equivalent to Dame pretty, you know, it, in time, like remember Dame's got five years in the league. Right, on him. Right, right. Um, but if you Matt, the two guys are scoring 30 other than Harden that are similar to him are Bradley Beal and in Dame Lillard and his, if you go look at their career paths, they're very similar. Um, the one thing I'm going to keep talking about because I mean, and I might be, you know, I'm the only one talking about it, so usually then you probably should check yourself. Everybody wants Donovan to be a point guard, and that's fine. He can be our primary ball handler, and he's off the pick and roll. He's great. But he is one of the great catch-and-shoot guys in the NBA. 
the amount of guys that over three years in a row have shot over 40% on catch-and-shoot threes was at to a game is not very many, and he's one of them. And so I'm much more – I understand that his volume of shooting is going to happen when he gets some off-the-bounce opportunities on the high pick-and-roll when they go under and he's able to rise up or start taking the deep three, certainly strong enough to do it. But I want to see more catch-and-shoot action, Clay Thompson-type action for him. Um, he's not six seven. He's not Duncan Robinson. He can't, but he's really special. He's got great lift on his jump shot. He squares his shoulders every time. He's so dang strong that he can get into that shot quickly. And he's real. So it can be your building plays for him, and it can be Mike Conley and Joe Ingles creating for him. Um, hard for people to leave him, but I I, I want to see that number go up too. I, I I hope we don't see it go down. That's what happened to Joe last year's. Joe's one is even better than Donovan. He's like the fifth best catch and shoot guy in the NBA over the last three years, and his catch and shoot numbers keep dropping year after year after year because he plays with the ball in his hands so much. We've got to get back to early opportunities. Give these, and maybe it is in transition and getting out and running, and that you're getting Donovan quickly on the three, and you're getting Joe. Joe's got to run to be there quickly. Um, I was hoping in the bubble that Joe would take the Boyan role because Boyan used the most transition possessions of anyone in our team last year, and Joe didn't do it. So, you know, it's on the player. they got to run, and the team's got to get the ball out. But I'm hoping we can get back to some of that for both Joe and Donovan because they're elite at that. What do you forecast as the second unit being? Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, George Niang. Favors? Derek Favors. Well, what do you think of that then? Yeah, that's that's my yeah. That, right. That I mean, was... it's basically, I mean, it's basically four starters, right? Clarkson's Clarkson's basically a starter. Conley's a starter. Ingles is, may not start this year. He's basically. I mean, so my my assumption on the starting lineup, but I I think I might be wrong on this, is uh, Conley, Donovan, Royce, Derek, and Rudy. But maybe Derek's not starting, and then you're. Wait a sec. What about Bogey? Oh yeah, so I got a Bogey in there. So then I, so then maybe it's Bogey and the Don and Derek's not favorite. But for Derek, I still like the math is that Derek has to play with Rudy some. And Dennis was very open that he believes it works. I mean, he very he he talked about all the numbers and the plus minus of how Derek, you know, how Derek and Rudy have proven that they work together. So it's and how much we missed it, how much we needed that lineup last year. So. That, to me, seems to be a lineup that they plan to be using, and if Derek plans to play 20 to 24 minutes, he has to, because I certainly hope we're not dropping Rudy's minutes, because Rudy is awesome. Uh, let's never forget, Rudy is awesome. Um, and, you know, it's so funny, when you do all these projections, by the way, and, you know, I do think, you know, you look at Denver, and they're going to be just good because they have Jokic, and, like, we're going to be good just because we have Rudy. Like, we're just automatically good because we have Rudy. Like, it's incredible what he does. Okay, how about more of that, that? those two at the end of the game when defense seems to matter a little bit more? Uh, I don't think so because I don't think uh, – you know, we'll see. Um, Quinn's a master, and I'll have to get um, – I'm scarred by how many times I watched Donovan Mitchell come off a pick and roll and run right into Derek Favors' man in the opening moments of games two years ago. I mean, Donovan would roll, come off that pick and roll, and Donovan's way better at it now, and so maybe it's going to not be a problem. And Mike Conley's a better shooter than Ricky Rubio, so maybe somebody else has to space. And if 
Boyan's on the floor. He's as good a shooter as Joe, if not better. So maybe maybe that'll it'll lessen it a little bit. Um, but it it just I have a, such a vivid memory of Donovan coming off pick and rolls and running into Derek Favors' man who's standing in the middle of the paint while Favors is in the corner, and no one cares that Favors is in the corner. Um, and the numbers show that that uh, it, Dennis is 100% right. It was positive because the defense was unbelievable. Um, and so it better, you know, I, the defense with Faves and Rudy on the floor together better be just as unbelievable if it's going to work. Yeah, I'm talking about in a situation where you're trying to close out and you're not coming from behind. Yeah, you still got to score. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, frankly, if you're ahead and you score, it's better. It's easier. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to right? find like, some minutes like you're for up, those guys. You're, you're up four. You're up. I got your concept is like we're up four of the minute and a half. We're just going to stop you and not let you score again. You know, it's, if Bogey hits a three, it's over also. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. Uh, I'm just. I haven't ever thought about what I haven't thought about is interesting is and I haven't played around with what it would look like against other teams is whether or not somehow. Um, Favors comes off the bench, comes in for Rudy at about the four-minute mark, and um, and suddenly Rudy and Derek match for a few minutes in the second quarter against kind of a pseudo first team, pseudo second team of the other team. I, I haven't I haven't looked at that like you know if that's Denver, Jokic is back out on the floor and they're four this year. Maybe they're playing to Michael Green in those minutes then. And like that works really, really well. If it's the Lakers and it's and it's Marcus Soule and Anthony Davis, which is their starting lineup, but it's probably back out or um, you know uh, it's Montrez Harrell and Anthony Davis. Maybe it, maybe it works just fine. Um, if it's the Clippers and it's sorry, sorry, Gasol's on the Clippers. If it's no, wait, Gasol's on the Lakers. Uh, yeah. If it's Ibaka and you know. Yeah, I don't know how it works on the Clippers because Kawhi's probably or Paul George is probably sliding down to the four at that moment, so that gets a little tough. Or it's Marcus Morris, um, then maybe that's fine. If it's Marcus Morris and and Ibaka, then maybe you, you know, they can really spread the floor. That gets tough, but maybe that's how you're doing it. So there are a bunch of times where you know there are these these other teams are not small. Like, the game's not gone small. The game's gone skilled. The only difficulty about Rudy and Derek together is not that there is is that they neither of them can shoot and neither of them are really good passers yet. Now they're both improved passers, and maybe they'll be. And neither of them are really dribblers. So you're just your skill is limited. Your size is awesome. We got to go, but I wanted to see if you saw that Paul George stuff on Doc Rivers and the Clippers. Man, I thought he really hammered him. What bull crap? <laughs> because I mean, what I mean, I'd love to really like. Holy smokes. You know why? Because it's not true. <laughs> like, what a cop-out. Like, and I get it. Hey, if you're going to be the greatest in the world, and that's what these guys are, it's, it's pretty rare that you have self-blame. And so it's a lot easier to believe that you're still the greatest in the world while blaming someone else. But feel free to mix in an ounce of accuracy with your comments. Right? He used me like Ray Allen. What the hell are you talking about? You ran more pick and rolls last year for the Clippers than any other year in your entire career. Got like, it. I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think he ran like 27% of his plays on pick and roll. Like, it just wasn't true. Like, that's, that's, 
pretty audacious, by the way. And, like, I wonder what's in that mind. Like, does he – he obviously believes that, right? So he he's clearly got no self-blame in the fact that he's just bombed, like, six straight playoff series. There you go. That's what I wanted. Thank you. You delivered. You're the new mailman. I appreciate it. All right, PK, you're the best. Stay good. Stay safe. Stay healthy. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That's David Locke, obviously radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, bringing it strong. Also bringing it strong is my man, Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And if you can't bring it strong where you need to, he is going to help you right now. Tell him about it, Andrew. Yes, that is a very good intro, guys. If you're out there frustrated in the bedroom experiencing some erectile dysfunction, that is what Wasatch Medical Clinic does. Now, we, we take, in my opinion, all of the negatives out of treating ED. And I know it's kind of an embarrassing subject, but what's embarrassing is taking the pill. You know, excuse me, honey, let me go get a glass of water. Our treatments, the acoustic wave therapy, open up and regrow blood vessels so that when the timing is right in the bedroom, you don't have to take the pill. You get back to those younger years, increased frequency, spontaneity. That is what our treatments can achieve. No pills, no injections, no side effects. Uh, Really good, then, when you put it like that. And then on top of that and all that other stuff, this is a great opportunity for guys to take advantage of it because you've got some special stuff that you want to give them. Yes, we do. If you're struggling in the bedroom, sick of the pills, call Wasatch Medical Clinic now a lot for free this morning. We'll do the initial assessment, exam, even the blood flow ultrasound, no charge. We'll also throw in a little special gift that you'll love. It produces instant results in the bedroom. Normally 500 bucks. Call us now, guys. Totally free. That's a great deal, Andrew. You're saving money big time, and you're helping yourself and that special someone. Wasatch Medical Clinic, their phone number, give them a call now, is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks for the information. Thank you. All right, that's Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. If you need their services, give them a holla. All right, what you've missed and what we've been talking about this morning, it's been a great morning. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk with so much going on. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Have you ever turned on the TV and go to one of those channels where the Christmas fireplace is on your screen? Is that a thing? I saw that last night, and I wanted to run that by you guys and see what you thought of it. <laughs> I've never sought it out, Gordon. It just said Christmas Yule Log. So I clicked on it, and there it was, a fire burning. I'm just more concerned. You thought, you know what? I better talk about this on the radio. Everyone needs to know. The standard to make the non-sports report is so low. You ever been on the channel where they just show you what's on all? <laughs> All the channels. That, uh, that's fascinating to me. What's the definition of news again, Gordon? Shut up. The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. One thing I know for sure, Yach, is in the history of sports, and very rarely can you say this, in the history of sports, the equipment truck has never received as much publicity as BYU's truck driving across country. Is that not true? (laughs) 
this truck that they got going on here. <laughs> People doing stories about the moving truck for the Cougars driving to Conway, South Carolina. So they're going to play a football game there. And this is so crazy. If you're looking for somebody or something, I should say, that is more symbolic of this crazy season in which we are enduring, and I think enduring is probably the right word, it is this BYU Coastal Carolina with game day thinking they're going to get Liberty and Coastal Carolina and maybe probably in a short panic when Liberty has the COVID issues and then BYU steps up and says, yeah, take us, we'll go. And now they've got this opportunity, the biggest game ever as an independent. Is that fair to say? I don't know. Let me know. What do you think about that? Is it true that this is the biggest game ever as an independent that they have played? Maybe to date. As long as they win, if they lose, man, that's bad, bad news. But 10-point favorite, Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports joined us this morning and was talking about how he thinks that if the Cougars can win, they can get in a position to be number 10 in the poll. And if they get number 10 in the poll, they're in that New Year's 6, that coveted thing, which is really funny because it's taken on a life of its own to try to get in there. When we knew when they went independent that the opportunities were going to be slimmer as opposed if they stayed in the conferences, particularly as we've gone through with the automatic G5 bid and all that stuff going forward. Uh, but here they are on the brink. Not of a childhood dream, as Gordon Monson once said to Damian Hunter, but the brink of some place where they haven't been and they've got to fall through. So Dennis Dodd, certainly respected nationally. I've seen him many different places, many different venues throughout the country as I've traveled around covering college football that believes that if they can win and win next week, they'll be in. And that'd be great. That'd be great for the program because at that point, too, you'll get a Power 5 test. So if you were to pass this test against Coastal Carolina, beat San Jose State, and then if you should top it off with a win, and there's a lot of ifs leading up to these things, but if you do that, then at that point, you, I think the Cougars would have to be viewed as legitimate uh, in the way that uh, Utah was viewed as legitimate. I think so, when they beat Alabama. Pittsburgh, when they beat Pittsburgh in the Fiesta Bowl, Pittsburgh wasn't near worthy. The Utes were going to just roll over them, and they did. I mean, with the, that whole week, it felt like, okay, they're going to win this the, game. I was the, down there. Yeah, the only good thing about that Pittsburgh team was Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, down there in Tempe. And the Phoenix area, I was there that whole week leading up. It was fun. And part of the fun was they were the original BCS Busters, but you also knew you didn't really much have to worry about the game. The Sugar Bowl, I was down there too. And leading up to that game, it was a different vibe. And there was a fair amount of youth fans, but in the Phoenix area for the Fiesta Bowl, there were tens of thousands of them. And literally, no matter where you went, the the, the usual uh, places in Tempe and then old uh, just to the north, Old Town Scottsdale, just up Scottsdale Road, just a little bit, five, six, seven miles tops from Sun Devil Stadium at the time. You you saw I went there, had lunch at some outdoor places, and you saw tons of Utes there. So it was a big week-long party. Festival was a little bit different. I mean, the uh, Sugar Bowl was a little bit different. And then they got the win. And I think that really validated their season, and I don't care that Alabama didn't or didn't want to be there. And I think it's the same situation here with BYU. If they were to play it out, and as I say, it's a bunch of ifs, if they were to play it out 
then get that validation that, yeah, that's a pretty good football team. Hopefully they get that chance. Uh, it's good for business to have our locals win. And good for business for the Utes and all that they've done over the years. And they got a game tomorrow under the radar compared to this big game with Coastal Carolina. Who would have thought that that BYU-Coastal Carolina would be uh, higher staged, more publicity than any Pac-12 game that the Utes have played? But I, And I don't even think that's on the Utes. I think that's on the conference. The conference really missed the boat by not starting earlier and giving their programs an opportunity to be far more relevant than they are this season for a Power 5 conference that gets dumped on repeatedly, certainly gets dumped on more than any Power 5 conference. I think we can all agree with that, and I take no pleasure in saying that, but I think it's true that they get dumped on more than the other five that are their contemporaries for many reasons, for many self-induced reasons. That's the problem. It's self-induced. At least with BYU, you know, you have your defenders who say, oh, no, they're good. They've got Zach Wilson. they got players who are all that. And this schedule, sure, they got stuck and had to do what they can. So you got people defending them. And you got people, not just locally, us local homers. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the national folks. Herb Street, Urban Meyer, on and on. The list literally does go on and on. And these folks defending BYU. Because none of their issues were self-induced. They had a schedule. It got thwarted. And so they had to make do with what they got. So you have people defending them. Problem with the Pac-12 is that all the problems, are most of them are self-induced. So you can't defend that. You can't go and say, yeah, wait a second. Yeah, but, but, but. No. They brought this on themselves, which is the problem. And that's why they're not getting the run is because they made a bunch of dumb decisions. And they continue. And it pains me to say. And they've been reduced. Maybe a laughing stock is too strong. But certainly they've been downgraded. And most of their teams now, even with Washington and Colorado, is anybody really buying them? SC? Is SC being bought to the full extent that a brand, brand name like USC is supposed to be bought? No, I don't think so. We see it with the committee ranking them 20th. It's because the conference is viewed as a joke this season, largely viewed as a joke overall, and this season even more so because of their dumb leadership. There's no other way to say it. Now, as far as the Utes go, they've got to find a, get a, a way to get a win. They lose tomorrow. They commit a bunch of turnovers. We had uh, Annie Ludwig earlier on, earlier this week, on during the meet, UDA. Media availability that Utah has uh, had it on Tuesday, and how he's talking about their OC, they're disgusted. Well, if you stretch it out to three games, yeah, well, it's beyond disgusted. That's why I'm assuming, and maybe that's wrong on my assumption part, to say that they are going to clean that up. They've got to win this game. They got to find a way to win. Come on, man. I don't know how else to say it. Oregon State doesn't have their quarterback coming off a huge emotional win in which the players ran out on the field and all that stuff against Oregon, understandably so, ruining Oregon's bid to go where they wanted to go. Yeah, absolutely, they should celebrate. Well, now they got to regroup and come here to Salt Lake. Everything is set up for a Ute win, and I suspect they will do it because all the times we count Kyle Whittingham's team out, they seem to rally and seem to respond. And I think this is going to be another situation in which they respond. Talked about Utah State football. 
had a nice drive. At least they got something. They had one nice drive, and then everything fell apart, and they lose 35-7 to as they continue to play out the string. They need to regroup. Whoever decides to, whoever uh, they decide is going to be their coach and get back and get some enthusiasm back into the program. Some basketball. Utes, easy win over Washington. Washington stinks. They haven't been good. They weren't that good last year. Now that they're a point guard who played well yesterday, he had some academic eligibility issues last year. And even though they had two first-round picks, freshmen, okay, maybe on potential, but I don't think they were ready to win in the uh, Pac-12, which they didn't, and they certainly are not this year. They're already 0-3, 0-1. But for the Utes, uh, any win is good because they're trying to trying to build some confidence and prove to the college basketball world that they deserve some opportunity to get in the NCAAs. No, they'll, they'll get that opportunity. Plenty of games to go, just one down. Well, they're playing 20 conference games this year, and so they're 1-0. See what happens with them. Like the way they played. They showed some stuff, got some players. Looks like they're probably the best team that they've had since uh, what? What's his face? Pirtle left? I was going to say Wright. the end of yeah, the Pirtle delon Wright era. Yeah, and DeLon Wright went uh, – yeah, they, they, they both didn't go together. I think they went They uh, were separately. separate, yeah. Yeah. So they got to get back to the tournament. This is, this is still at its core, at its heart, at its tradition. It's still a basketball school. I realize football just as much, if not more, but still. People are not going to be this year because of the fan situation, but the fan base is there, the support is there, everything that they need. Now they just got to get the players and go win the games. And this is a program that belongs in the NCAA top five in the West, has been historically. I think I can say that with a fair amount of certainty. All right, coming up next, we'll close out the show. Get ready to pass the torch to Scotty and Hand. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. All right, Yogg's got to come clean. Hey, we are an all-purpose journalism entity, and when we make mistakes, we correct them. Yogg, you're up. Corrections and retractions on DJ and PK. <laughs> uh, Tom Hagen reach, reaching out on Twitter at live underscore life underscore one, saying, FYI, Larry Fitzgerald wasn't on that pit team. He did watch the game as an NFL rookie, though. I didn't think he was on that team because I was at that game, and I do not remember him. Okay, so I I apologize for the gaffe on that. And also our good friend Ralph Sokolowski, the longtime uh, statistician for Greg Rubel, and even back to the Paul James era, if I'm not mistaken. But he he also reached out. We talked about the 2001 BYU football program and the teams they lost to that season. Uh, Luke Staley got hurt in the Mississippi That's what State I thought. game. I thought that was the game he got hurt. They won then, it. That was their 12th win. Yeah, they won and it. Then it went south. Yeah, then it went south. They went to Hawaii and got creamed by Nick Rolovich and the Rainbow Warriors, and then they lost to Louisville in their bowl game. Right. That's what I thought, but I always defer to the memory guys. And you said this guy's name was Tom Hagen? Tom Hagen, yep. Okay, do you realize Tom Hagen was the consulary in The Godfather? That's a very good point. <laughs> His Twitter bio says, Thought Leader, Chaos Theory, Deconstructionism. Oh, wow. Okay. Jeez, that's over my head. I don't even know what all that crap means. <laughs> so I guess we'll uh, have to uh, just defer to whatever the heck that meant. So got a ton of reaction on Facebook as far as BYU's biggest game. You know, Brian Keel had him on yesterday talking about 20-plus years, biggest game. I don't think you can argue that it's the biggest game in the 
independent era. Certainly, as crazy as it is, I mean, I never would have thought this, but it's the most hyped game. So, uh, I think you have to agree with it. Well, I, I had a conversation with a buddy yesterday who actually reached out to me after he heard Kill talk about it, and he's like, well, what does he mean? I'm like, well, you really think about it, it's really, you, you go back probably to that Mississippi State game at the very, very latest in terms of the stakes that were on it for the BYU football program. They were 12-0. and I know at that point the BCS essentially said you're not getting in here, but you can go back even further than that. What is it, the 97 Cotton Bowl? There, Not very many games have bigger stakes than what BYU's facing tomorrow. Particularly, yeah, because the win moves them up probably and puts them in a strong position to receive a New Year's Six bid, and that's the goal. And right now, I think they're clearly on the outside. When you're ranked, what, 14th and then 13th, that's not good enough. And, and I think the committee, I mean, you can't help, even if you're not pressing play like Urban Meyer's talking about, you can't help uh, know that this game was thrown together on a two-day notice and game day had already been there. Everything really, in kind of a confluence of events and publicity, is working toward your favor. you got to win the ball game. And it's interesting to see about how this, do you really want to beat them 51-10? to 10? Because Boise's got a really good program, but somehow Boise's discredited because BYU worked them. And that's the last thing Boise should be done is uh, be getting done to them is being discredited. Because, again, even, uh, you know, I understand the quarterback situation, but as Kalani said, those quarterbacks don't play defense. And it's about BYU's offense. And BYU's offense is really good. They've got pros on that offense. Zach Wilson, man, I saw somebody had him like second. I mean, so Trevor Lawrence yeah. is presumed the number one, so yeah. you're going number two? It was Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who's actually a guy we've had on the show. He's a pretty well-respected NFL draft guy, and he had number two. Great Dane Bugler, huh? Brugler, yes. All right. Do they call him Great Dane? Yeah, I there you go. Let's ask him next time we have him on. <laughs> number two. Well, that'll be something we'll follow in the spring. That'll be a lot of fun to go in that direction. So, yeah, and they've got guys. The bottom line is, as Urban Meyer says, when he presses play, he sees that they've got guys. So you can schedule and complain about the schedule all you want, but they've got guys. And none other than Urban Meyer, who's as respected as they can be as far as football analysis, great in what he does. Speaking of having guys, I don't know if they got guys, but they can help guys. That's what matters the most. That's what Wasatch Medical Clinic does. Am I not correct, Andrew? Yes, that's exactly right. We help men with probably a problem that's been around for a long time. That's erectile dysfunction, which I know when guys hear that, they think, oh, I don't have that. They shy away. A lot of guys suffering in silence. And of course, the relationship is what suffers. Now, we treat the problem in such a unique and effective way using acoustic wave therapy, which is FDA registered, Cambridge studied to open up and regrow blood vessels. That's really the root cause problem of erectile dysfunction. We've taken guys from 70 70 years old to 50 years old in the bedroom. You get back to your younger years, normal and natural function. And here's the big takeaway. No pills, no supplements, no injections, and no side effects. One of the things that I like, Andrew, is that you come on, you talk about it, and it's a sensitive topic, but 
the whole idea of Wasatch Medical Clinic is to provide the help, and it's all done in a sensitive, professional way. Yes, it is. You will come in and meet with a male staff. You'll, you'll meet with a medical doctor. This isn't a chiropractor, uh, somebody that has probably seen more erectile dysfunction than anybody in the country, I would guess. So you'll be able to get all your questions answered, and you'll feel comfortable. You come in, you're more normal than you think. And you got some great opportunities for guys who take advantage of this now. We do, and this is the last spot of the day. Call us now if you're struggling with erectile dysfunction. The assessment will be free. The exam will even do a blood flow ultrasound. You'll spend some time with the medical doctor. Uh, we'll include a little special gift that guys can't get enough of. It produces instant results in the bedroom. And lastly, New patients even get free testosterone to handle a little drive in the bedroom. Call us now. It's all free. And that phone number is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Appreciate you having on this morning, Andrew. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that's Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. If you've got that situation, give them a holler. They'll help you take care of it, get you back where you need to be. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Excited about this Football Friday. Hans and Scotty and then Jake and Gordon will continue. Stay with us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.